from the Mecca of Mormonism. This is Heart of the Matter. Uh, we are a Monday night right now, and our topic is going to be the Holy Spirit, but it's kind of part one, and I just want to talk to you about some concepts with the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, let's first have a prayer. Uh, Father, we seek you and love you, and just pray you'll be with us and be with those who are seeking to understand you in spirit and truth, and bless all the uh, people involved. In Jesus' name, amen. In the LDS sacrament prayer, they say, you know, we covenant this and this and promise and all that. I'm paraphrasing. But they end that they may always have his spirit to be with them. His spirit to be with them. And what that means in, in, in Mormon uh, parlance is they're saying you want to be worthy to have the Holy Spirit with you like a friend here. The Holy Spirit in Mormonism can only be in one place at one time like the sun. And so what they say is the Holy Spirit being can only be in one place, but you can feel and I can feel and someone in China can feel the effects of the sun at the same time, but you can't have the actual Holy Spirit with you, in you. Uh, you just feel the effects. So with you in the Holy Spirit is very different than the Christian concept. So I want to talk to you about that for a minute. This is what scripture says. If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Remember the time and context of this. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Okay? So the Mormons go around and they build temples made with hands. And they say that God, this is the house of the Lord, right? But biblical Christianity teaches that there comes a point in time in an individual's life when the Holy Spirit actually, uh, this is kind of gross the way I'm doing it, it isn't the way it happens, but goes in oh. and down in you. And you are the, the temple of God. That you are the houser of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit dwells, which is God dwelling in you. Same thing. Holy Spirit, uh, God, same thing. Okay? Mormonism has all these different striations because God the Father is the body of flesh and bone. And so he can't be in you. And his spirit can only be in one place, but you can feel the effects of the Holy Spirit being with you, like by your side. But in Christianity, the promise is God actually moves into you by virtue of his spirit. Let me give you another passage. Uh, in Hebrews 3, 6, it says, But Christ as a son over his house whose house are we? We are the house of Christ. So Holy Spirit, the Father, Christ in us. That Christ lives in us, Scripture says. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ lives in us. That's not possible in the Mormon world. Christ can't possibly live in you. They go against the, the Bible because Christ is an individual with a resurrected body. So what they would say is Christ can be with you by sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. But none of it is internal, going against Scripture. But listen to this one. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Ready? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So right there, we have a passage saying that God lives in us. Did you know that? He lives in believers. Mormons think he lives in a temple and that the Spirit is with you. But Christians treat that God is in you. Now listen to this one. This is the big one. 
What? This is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. That says that the Holy Spirit is in you. It dispels that idea that the Holy Spirit can only be in one place and you can feel the effects of him being with you. But instead, that passage says that we are the temple of the, uh, uh, God and the Holy Spirit is in us. Christ dwells in us. God is in us. Do you believe that? Let me explain, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the kind of overall picture of how that came to be. And I'm going to see if I can do this from memory. Uh, I learned this from somebody else years ago. In the beginning, God created man, and he created man with a body and uh, with a soul and with a spirit. And God breathed, the Greek word is pneuma, he breathed his breath into the sarks of, of Adam, and Adam became a living Soul, And that word in the Greek means mind, will, and emotion. That is man right there. That's man. People ask, how are we created in God's image, right? And it's right here. We were made three parts. We were made with a spirit, a soul, and a body. We first, he formed us out of the ground, and then he breathed in us his breath, and then man became a living mind, will, and emotion being. That is exactly the creation of man in God's image. We have communicable traits that God has. And, and so then when uh, God took Eve from Adam's side, she was taken from him. So she had all the same parts, three in one, made in God's image. All right. So let's just start with that because it's really simple. And we're going to call this God's... Um, Let's see. We'll just this this call it. This is his uh, his perfect home. I don't even know if that's good. It's a p word. This was his first home. Okay, so it's the spirit, it's the soul, and it's the body. And God told Adam, He said, "Listen, don't eat of the fruit of that tree, because the day you eat of it, you will surely die. You will surely die." Well, Adam ate of the tree, and did he die? He did not die that day. God said, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But in that day, he didn't die. Did his body die? It didn't. It started to die. Did his soul die, his mind, will, and emotion? They started to die, headed toward death. But guess what died in him? His spirit. He became spiritually dead. And so God dwelled with them. God was in them by the spirit that he breathed into them. But Adam died spiritually. And so God moved out and man fell. This is the fall of Adam. Adam went from being a three-part being made in God's image who communicated with God by the spirit. And he became a two-part being, a being that operates by their soul and body alone. Jesus came along and said, you must... Be born from where? Above. You must be born from above to have the spiritual part made alive again where the spirit moves in you just like it started out with Adam and Eve. 
So when the Mormons teach that the Spirit's with you, that is not true. You need to be born from above and have that uh, Spirit move in you and then regenerate your soul and regenerate your body. Well, from the moment that Adam died, the day you eat of this fruit, you will die. Immediately, he died in the Spirit. And then progressively, Adam died in his mind and his will and his emotion. They became more corrupt. And ultimately, Adam died in his body. He went to 930 years later, Adam was dead. Okay? All because he took that fruit and fell. So this is God's, we're just going to call it his first house. Okay? God had a first house. It was Adam. It was Eve. They fell, God moved out of man, and man needs to be born from above. So we have that down. So did God have another house? He does. He made another house. What was God's next house? You ask yourself. When we read the scripture, what was the next house God had? Oh, well, let's look at it. It was described to a man named Moses. And God said, listen, I want you to make a tabernacle. I want you to make my house, God said, and I want it to have an outer court, an inner court, this is a a curtain, and a holy of holies. One part, two part, three parts in one house. Same model as we have with Adam and Eve when he created him. Okay, three in one. And God says that once a year I will come and I will visit only this place and only the high priest can go in behind this curtain. Otherwise, everyone else will be killed and I'll have a seat here and you put blood on the posts here and I'll come in, shine down and I'll sit on this house and you'll make propitiation. You'll bring the blood of animals into here and you'll put it on this thing and once a year I'll sit there and all the people outside and the nation of Israel will have their sins atoned. In this house designed three in one, one building, one tabernacle, three parts. Okay. Around the time, right, we had a temple in Jesus' day, Herod's temple, but it went from being a a really small creation that God gave back in Leviticus uh, and Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers and all that. God gave us a really small footprint. By the time Herod comes along and Jesus is born, the temple is enormous. It's full of all sorts of other rooms and everything else. And pretty much uh, uh, this temple was desecrated. And it was desecrated by the people and the sin. And guess what God did? The same thing he did when Adam fell. God, when the temple was desecrated, moved out. He said, bye-bye, fathead. I don't live in things that are not clean and holy and pure. So God moves out. So that takes us to the second temple, the the actual material temple that God lived in at one time. We have now are going to a third temple. Can you guess what it is? It it occurred right about the same time that the second temple uh, was destroyed, Adam being the first place where God lived, and then uh, the, the temple that Moses created, and then he moved out because it was desecrated. And then we have a man named Jesus. And uh, Jesus had uh, all of God. It says the fullness of God in him. The fog had the fullness of God within him. And he walked the earth. And this was God's third house. And we could call this his perfect house. 
Why? Because everything in the man Jesus was perfect. And he lived a perfect life. And he walked a perfect life. And he loved God. And he loved man. And he lived a perfect life. But guess what? God even moved out of this house. People say, no way, no way. He's God. That, he, he, he moved out of this house. Why? Because of sin. Same reason he moved out of the temple. Same reason he moved out of Adam. Because of sin. Whose sin? Not his sin. Our sin. That's what caused Christ when he was on the cross to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The earth turns dark. And he was left alone, spiritually void of the spirit of God in him. It left him spiritually dead. But for a moment, the light came back to the earth. He returns to calling God his father. And that spiritual death moment was over for Christ. But nevertheless, God moved out of his perfect house. So we see a pattern in his first, second, and third house with the, with the spirit, with God living in things by the spirit. We see him creating, moving in. We see it becoming desecrated. We see him moving out and moving into another place. He's having to hop to houses because none of them are pure, are pure, including his own son. But after his son does this, something happens in the biblical narrative. What happens? God does something and he says, now when I move in, I am never moving out. Now, instead of a perfect house, instead of a patterned house like the temple, instead of a perfect house like Jesus, my son, who took on your sin, I'm going to move into a permanent house. That means no longer am I going to leave because of sin, leave because of sin, leave because of sin. I am going to move in and I'm going to stay. Now, what gives him that ability to move in and stay in this house? The fact that this house has been cleansed completely once and for all and forever of all sin. It can never be defiled by sin again. Where does that house live? It lives in the hearts of believers. Jesus paid for their sins and God moves in by his Holy Spirit and the Son is in them, Christ is in me, and the Father is there, the fullness of God is in us. And this is us, and it's kind of overextended, and this is our neck, and here's our heart. And God moves in by faith, and he promises, I will never leave you. I move in because my son's blood made it possible for me to live in you. And it's only the lack of my son's blood covering you that would, that would cause me to leave. So we don't have this, oh, I'm afraid if I don't do this, God will leave me. Or if I'm afraid I won't be saved if I do that. Because our flesh always does bad things. But the connection in the permanent house is such a beautiful thing because of what Christ has done. And this is a major place where we differ with our LDS friends because they teach. Not only is the Holy Spirit not in you, but the Holy Spirit is just with you and departs quickly from you if you don't keep all the commandments that they say you have to have, if you don't obey every rule, if you don't wear your garments day and night, if you don't pay your tithing and go to the temple and obey the Sabbath day and follow the prophets and do your home teaching, and la, 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 right? And so you're on a hamster wheel of death and you don't even know it. You're trying to create your own righteousness when Jesus' righteousness is what allows God to move into you by faith. No longer are you Adam. Jesus was the second Adam. God moved out of Adam. 
You're not fallen anymore because you have Jesus who took care of that. No longer are you a pattern temple. We don't go to temples that are pattern made with hands like the LDS do, some location physical. That's out. We are the temple. We have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And it's all because of what Jesus did on that cross on our behalf. That's the way I want to start with understanding the Holy Spirit relative to the Bible and what it says and what the LDS teach. It is really night and day. And it's really sad because those people don't have any um, hope of having him with him constantly. It's always predicated on their performance. And so if you're LDS, this is a major difference. And this is why Christians are always saying they're a cult. They're not Christian because you don't allow your people in the Mormon church to have a relationship that is permanent, that is always with you because he doesn't fail us even when we fail him. See you tomorrow night. Call in. We want to hear your thoughts on this. Write in on your comments below and uh, send us emails if you want to go that way. But we want to hear from you tomorrow night here on Heart of the Matter.